award-winning Tennessee Wildcast is on the air with the latest on hunting, fishing, boating, wildlife watching, and all things outdoors. Make welcome your host, drummer and outdoor expert novice, Jason Harmon. All right. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this edition of Tennessee Wildcast. We're glad you're tuning in. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. And uh, we've got a great show for you today. It's springtime and... and uh, the animals are out moving around and, and we've got uh, bear activity. So that's what the topic's gonna be today. And uh, we're excited to have uh, Dan Gibbs with us. He's the black bear coordinator for uh, for the state and uh, Sevier County Wildlife Officer David Sexton. We're glad to have him. And then Matt Cameron, communications coordinator for, for the East Tennessee region. And we're just glad to have everybody here. How y'all doing? Well, doing awesome, awesome. Um, one thing I wanted to touch on before we get started and jump into these questions and things that we have today is is let people know about this hat. Uh, I was lucky to grab one the other day when I ran by the office for a few minutes, and uh, uh, they're a, it's a pretty cool hat. It's uh, got the vented back where it's a little more summer style than what we had on the last uh, hat that was available. So you can go to GoOutdoorsTennessee.com. Uh, it's under the license catalog under specialty and uh, you can pick one up for 20 bucks and and the money that uh, goes to purchase this helps us uh, put on other programs and it goes to our foundation so our foundation can help us uh, introduce the outdoors to other folks and people who don't uh, get a chance to or or want to learn how so that's what that's all about so anyway you guys should go go get your one it's a pretty cool little hat yeah, the state employees don't get a free one, I guess, huh? No, not 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 too many. Some of them maybe get passed around, but yeah. <laughs> so uh, anyway, I appreciate you guys being with us. We've had both of these guys on the show uh, in the past, and uh, and and we always know when y'all are on. We're going. He said, you know, we've had a higher activity. He's been getting calls from the media and things like that. And and springtime, I guess, is when they start moving. So we're gonna we're gonna learn more about uh, how we can better interact with these guys and, and, and make things better for the bear and for the humans. I think that's, I think that's what we need to be thinking about. So, um, Matt, I'll let you kick it off. What, what, what do you want to start with today? Yeah. Uh, thanks, Jason. Um, you know, I, I have limited experience with bears, uh, 17 years for the agency and been, uh, trying to educate folks in the public about them. So I, I know a little bit, but I got two guys with us that know a lot. And I guess question for either one of you want to jump in, I see bear activity increase greatly in the springtime and then the late summer, early fall. And, and I think it's because late spring is they came out of their dens. There's not a lot of natural food available and the berries soft mass have, hasn't come in yet. So we see a lot of nuisance activity right now. And then again, in the fall, um, before the hard mass, uh, the nuts and things start to drop, we yeah. see an uptick in, in bear activity. Then is that generally true? Yes. It is. It is. The other thing that you can add to that scenario is the uh, fact that all the juvenile males are dispersing. So they're they're moving around quite a bit, trying to uh, set up the home range. And um, so they'll venture uh, into areas that you may not normally see bears. Uh, so that's another aspect for that. That's those springtime movements and issues that we have. Go ahead, David. No, this time of year is typically a time that we do have a lot of bear movement. Um, like you said before, you're exactly right, Matt. Um, there's no food there. There's no food available out there for the bear right now uh, until the berries do ripen. And, and then we'll have about a month, maybe reprieve 
where they do go to those and, and eat. And then from probably the first week in July till the acorns really set on the trees in the fall, we have another large, rather lengthy time there that uh, we have a lot of bear activity in and around all of East Tennessee, not just Gatlinburg or, or places like Gatlinburg. Okay. All right. So we, we need to be extra vigilant, I guess, rather in the, in the springtime and then and again in the late summer on keeping uh, bears from accessing human foods. I know that's always good practice, but that seems to be the, the, the two heaviest times uh, for decent bear activity. And, and along those lines, um, I guess I'll throw this one at uh, at David because he works Sevier County, but a lot of people are asking the question, you know, the state, the national parks have been closed, haven't had as many visitors to the area as we normally have, and you would expect nuisance bear activity to decrease because of that. But from my discussions with you and with your partner, Gene Parker, um, that hasn't been the case. Can you explain what's going on with the, the pandemic and how it's affected bear activity? Well, what's happened is we have obviously fewer uh, visitors to in and around the park, um, Pigeon Forge, Gatlinburg, those areas where normally we have a large populace of people during this time of year through the summer. And these bears have typically got into trash and so forth in those areas, which we do not want them to do to begin with. But right now what we're seeing is the bears are going to residential areas uh, where people, where there is trash present. So uh, we do have some bear activity on the mountain with the residents there. They're on the ski mountain area of, of uh, Gatlinburg. Um, and then they're also pushing out into other areas that we typically don't, do not see them at this time of year into re more residential areas in and around Sevierville, uh, the lower end of Pigeon Forge, uh, those areas there in residential areas because that's where obviously the garbage is, right? So uh, it's, uh, you, you would think with not as many people there that our calls would diminish, but they really have it this year. They, they stayed pretty steady. And uh, unfortunately, we've had some get in cars and get in homes. Um, and, uh, it's, and those are the ones that we're really trying to uh, concentrate on right now and, and try to move those animals from those areas that are causing those. Yeah, hey, Dan, you spoke about the yearling males earlier, and after seeing the video of that one that got inside the cabin at, at Gatlinburg, it looked to me to be a, a yearling. I don't know if it was a male or a female, and then there were a couple more bears outside that looked yearling or young to me. Have, have you saw those videos, and and do you have any idea of the age of those bears? Yeah, I'm not sure if we've seen the same videos or not. There's a lot of videos floating around right now, but uh, – like I said, that's a typical thing this time of year to see those um, those young bears uh, moving around and and getting into trouble. But the key, as David has said, it, it's it's a food issue is is the primary um, thing that's driving this issue every spring. And you you and I talked about this before, but you know the people that were staying in that cabin at the time weren't really responsible for that bear behavior. They just happened to show up and and come through an open door. And you talk about how it's the people who stayed there previously may have habituated those bears. Talk about how important that is for the people that come behind you to, to not do this kind of thing. It is important. And, you know, uh, despite what a lot of people think, it, it's not cute to see uh, a bear eating uh, 
out of someone's hand or on the front porch of a cabin. It can be a dangerous thing, and it's something that we're really concerned with. And we, we don't want to see it, as David said. That's that's top priority for those guys is trying to deal with these bears that are that are on porches and getting in vehicles. So people need to think about the fact that their actions are going to impact bears. Whatever they do, whether it's it's going to impact bears in a good way or a bad way. And we want people to impact them in a good way and, and store their trash park properly. As tempting as it is, uh, don't feed those bears. You know, we want people, for a lot of people, this is the first time they've ever seen a bear. And, and we understand that. We want them to enjoy that. But, uh, you know, get those pictures at a distance and uh, take a look at it and then start making some noise and get it out of there. We don't want it to get used to being around people and think it's okay to do that. Because the next folks that come along, uh, they're just caught, caught flat-footed, so to speak, and have no idea and then they walk around the corner and they're face-to-face to a bear that's coming to look for food that it received from the previous guests. So, huge responsibility that people don't realize they have as far as, as uh, taking care of things for the next person coming along. And, and you hope that the person, uh, if you're in the cabin now, you hope the people prior to you didn't feed bears. You have to look hey, at that way. David, I had a question kind of along those same lines. Are you seeing more traffic uh, in that area, like uh, in the Smoky Mountains National Park? Or are people, are they opening up right now? We're in mid-May. The pandemic's still kind of strong. Some people are opening things up, but are we starting to see more tourists hit that area? And, and uh, what are we doing if we aren't, or what are the, is the community doing to try to educate folks that are coming in about feeding these bears? Right now, the um, traffic has increased significantly from just three weeks ago. Um, The park opened up this past weekend, this past Saturday, so that has drawn quite a few uh, people back to the area uh, to go into the park. But with that, we're also getting more people staying in cabins and and hotels and those type uh, establishments now. So... We're getting, we're seeing an increase in traffic. The problem is, like I've said before, with the amount of people coming and going weekly in these areas, it's really hard to educate. That is one of the biggest challenges for us uh, in in Gatlinburg and the surrounding communities. All those gateway uh, communities around the park is that every Friday afternoon you've got a whole new group of people to uh, to educate. You know, you're trying to educate the residents and and you know you you only have a, a short amount of time to get the attention of these folks there's there's so much going on and so we utilize um, some things they call geofencing and just digital marketing and you know we tried to reach people that uh, through facebook and internet searches we try to reach these people before they ever even got to gatlinburg in some cases when they were still sitting in front of their computer in chicago or indianapolis or atlanta and searching for cabin rental opportunities in, in the Sevier and Blunt County area and, and threw up some ads about bear safety and things like that. And then uh, we also built those uh, those virtual fences around hot spots, areas where we have a lot more bear activity. And when people went into those areas, if they had their phones on or on Facebook, they may get a, uh, a pop-up message or something. So in a three-month period, we've had over uh, almost 1.8 million sets of eyes look at at a lot of their stuff and and we got a lot of uh, we click through where they actually click on it 
and read it and move forward. And uh, I don't remember the exact numbers, but the industry standard, we were well above that. So we're really pleased with that. And But another thing we're trying to do is um, is try to get some, we, we constantly have these uh, cabin owners asking us, hey, do you have any resources that we can put in our cabin to help educate people? And uh, I believe tomorrow I'm supposed to get the first shipment of the uh, the new Bearwise uh, flyer that we just put together um, about vacationing in bear country. And, you know, everybody thinks that, hey, I'm not going to see a bear unless I go up in the Smoky Mountains National Park. And, and this piece of information, the goal there is to make people realize, hey, you're in bear country, even if you're coming to this area to um, – to recreate, you know, at the amusement parks or shopping or whatever it may be, you got just as high a probability of seeing a bear as someone going up into the park. And so it really tries to educate people on things they can do to avoid uh, habituating those bears to people and uh, and getting them uh, uh, hung on uh, people food. So that's something new coming, and we're hoping to uh, uh, that a lot of these uh, these groups that rent these cabins and and managing for the owners will uh, make the investment to go onto the Bearwise site and purchase uh, those flyers and, uh, and get them in their cabins and hopefully people take time to read them and, and get some good information. Well, while we're, while we're on that topic, I know it's kind of further down that we wanted to hit on this, but tell folks what Bearwise is. What is, what is Bearwise? Bearwise is a, uh, it's a website, bearwise.org. And it's a program that was initiated and, and organized by all the state wildlife agencies in the southeastern United States. Um, uh, and, you know, because everybody's dealing with the same types of issues, bear populations are reclaiming former range all over the southeast, numbers are going up, conflicts with people are increasing, and, and the conflicts are almost always associated with uh, uh, people not doing the right thing as far as <clears throat> attractants, whether it's food, such as trash or bird seed, uh, pet foods outside, uh, a lot of different things will attract bears. So the site is designed to uh, uh, try to teach people how to live responsibly with black bears and the things they can do to uh, be proactive versus reactive. And that's what we as an agency want people to do is to learn how to coexist with bears and be proactive and, and make those changes on the front end. So David, and, uh, and his guys don't have to come out there and deal with the issues and, and make tough decisions regarding bears. Uh, so that's the whole point of Bearwise, and there's a lot of good resources there. It, it's growing every day. Uh, it's going to be a great future uh, for it. And I suspect big things this year. And uh, so I encourage everybody to get on there and take a look at that site. Uh, what are the laws behind uh, feeding? Are there anything that prohibits people from – from putting out food or, or doing things like that? I'll mention one thing that David followed. He talked about Gatlinburg, but on a statewide basis, there is no uh, statute that prohibits the uh, feeding of bears. And when we're talking about feeding bears, we talk about two different things. We talk about direct feeding and indirect feeding. You know, direct feeding would be standing there at the animal and tossing, tossing food to it. Indirect feeding would be, uh, having bears come into your property and, and getting and things like the bird feeding the trash and and the person not uh, doing something to uh, to alleviate that situation. But uh, in the entire state, uh, you know, as far as state law goes, that is not illegal uh, in Tennessee. In Gatlinburg City limit proper, 
um, they are not allowed to intentionally feed a bear, whether by hand, by leaving food out, um, any of that. Even indirect feeding can be cited for in Gatlinburg. We have a lot of rental properties outside the city of Gatlinburg. So we have a large number of complaints that come in from these cabin, cabin companies throughout the whole county about bears. And it's 100% food-related issues with, with either garbage or people leaving food in their vehicles and the bear getting in the vehicle, leaving their vehicles unlocked. Uh, as, as I think we've talked before on this show, bears have figured out how to open up car doors. Um, so it's very important to make sure that your vehicles are secured and, and locked. So it's it's an ongoing issue that you know people are going to have to take responsibility for. That's the only way that it's going to get better is by individuals taking personal responsibility for their garbage or leaving food accessible to a bear. One thing that I'll, I'll throw in here because I've actually gotten several um, – several emails and calls and David and I have actually talked a couple of times this week on some issues, but people are, are regularly will email us and say, Hey, you know, can you come get this bear? We live in a neighborhood and there's a lot of kids. And we tell people, you have to understand that when you live in East Tennessee and you live in bear country, coming and moving that bear out of your neighborhood is not the answer. Uh, if there's food that's attracted to your neighborhood and you move that bear, it's just going to uh, create a space for another bear to come in. So uh, the first part of that scenario is you need to figure out what's attracting the bear to your property and, and uh, address that issue. But secondly, what I wanted to point out is, is people need to teach their kids what to do if they see a bear. And uh, you can find that information on the bear wife site as well. But, you know, my kids understood from a very young age, you know, what to do, you know, and, you know, make noise, uh, go tell an adult you've seen the bear. And, uh, you know, we don't want people to live in fear. Uh, absolutely not. I mean, attacks from black bears is a very rare thing. And uh, so we don't want people to live in fear, but you have to live smart. And, and that means, as Matt said, you have to be responsible. Uh, if you're living in bear country, there's just things you have to do that are different if you're not. And, the thing about bears in Tennessee is you may not be living in bear country today, but by the end of this year, you may be because the bears are uh, extant, you know, expanding their range. We call it recolonization. Uh, historically, bears uh, range the entire state of Tennessee, and uh, they're uh, moving uh, westward, and they're also moving uh, northward out of Georgia, out of Mississippi, potentially in the near future. They're moving south out of Kentucky and they're moving east out of Arkansas. Uh, so, you know, we're surrounded by states that have bears, and, and this issue is going to continue to face more and more people on an annual basis. It's going to change a lot of habits. Or habits are going to have to change. Just like, you know, living in Middle Tennessee, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm one of those that will throw my trash over the fence. But in the in, you know, future, I may have to be thinking more about that and what I'm doing and, and not doing that because there's going to be bears maybe passing through, and, and I'll be part of the problem as well. Well, you know, everybody's definition of Middle Tennessee is different, and I grew up in Middle Tennessee, and, and I consider counties like Smith County, Middle Tennessee. And, you know, we've got breeding populations of bears, reproducing populations of bears in Smith County. So uh, it's coming 
to a backyard near you. So, <laughs> and that's uh, real close to my backyard. <laughs> it is. And you now we've already tried to start working on some, uh, some initiatives to educate people and have some of these materials uh, available at fairs. And, you know, the plateau, uh, Cookville, uh, north of Cookville and Overton County, Pickett County, uh, even uh, down south along the Georgia line down there, uh, we're seeing more and more sightings on an annual basis. So um, it's coming and it's a lot better to be proactive and reactive. And David can, can preach that message as well on a daily basis. So. Awesome. That's good information. I, I, I'm glad we we're doing this show. Is there anything else y'all want to touch on? Uh, uh, along these lines, or do you want to touch on that, that there are bear seasons that people may want to hunt these bears or do things that there are times of the year that that's a, that's an option? Yeah, I appreciate you bringing that up. That's a, that's a real good point. You know, we're getting a lot of, uh, a lot of inquiries on the North Plateau up in the Campbell County, Claiborne County area, uh, parts of Scott and even, uh, over North of Cookville about hunting seasons. And, our agency over the past three summers spent a great you know, amount of time and um, resources doing uh, some density estimates, and we'll be getting those uh, those results uh, will start coming in um, in July. We won't have all three years, but we should have the first two years analysis from the University of Tennessee in July. So as we move forward, we'll utilize that to help us make decisions about uh, when and how you open up new areas to hunting opportunity and and all those areas will eventually be open up to hunting but the message that I, I really want people to understand is most biologists will tell you that uh, hunting doesn't have a whole lot of impact on dealing with nuisance bear behavior you know human conflict uh, issues are typically not going to be uh, alleviated through hunting and uh, it's important for people to understand that. Uh, a lot of times those bears just aren't available to hunters because they're in a neighborhood and people aren't going to hunt neighborhoods or the time of year that the, I mean, right now there's no hunting season anywhere. So hunting season is not going to help issues right now. So while we see uh, hunting uh, being uh, opened up in those areas uh, in the future, people have to understand that it's not the silver bullet that's going to make their problems go away. They, they've got to address these issues as I said in a proactive way. And this, this may be for both of them. We're probably running out of time and we could, we could talk for 30 minutes on it, but talk about the black bear matrix and how that acts as a guide for folks like David to use when dealing with nuisance bear issues. We don't just go out and haphazardly euthanize bears. We have a system. Yeah, I'll mention that. Then David can throw, throw in some comments on, on how it works for him. But it was something that we put together a few years ago just for consistency among our field personnel. And it looks at two primary things regarding a bear when, when a, a call comes in. It looks at what they're, what they're feeding on, whether it be natural foods or, or uh, human-provided foods. And it also looks at their, their behavior and their reaction towards people. So the low end is somebody walks in their backyard and a bear's eating cherries out of a wild cherry tree in their backyard and the bear sees them and it runs off. So it's eating natural foods and it has a fear of humans. So, you know, that's just a bear taking advantage of a wild food source and, uh, and, and that's a natural thing. The op opposite end of that is a bear that uh, is uh, keying in on, on garbage and enters a home or a vehicle 
and, and has no fear of people whatsoever. Um, you know, it may even go into home while people are in there. And, you know, that's the, the opposite end of the spectrum where uh, we, we really don't want that going on at all. And then all the different scenarios in between with different options of technical assistance versus uh, whether or not you trap it. And, and a lot of people think trapping and moving the animal is the answer. And, and we do that to some extent, and David can give some more information on this, but we really don't want to trap and move animals anymore. We have to, because number one, it teaches people that, Hey, they'll just come get it. So we don't have to address our issue. And two, we don't want to take somebody else's problem to someone, someone's problem to someone else. And the idea that Tennessee has areas where you can drop a bear off and it won't impact people. Uh, those areas just don't exist anymore. There was a study recently done in the park, and the vast majority of those bears caught in the park at some time during the year left the park. So even the Grayson Monkeys Mountain National Park is not rugged and rural enough for bears to uh, not come out of there. One of the aspects that we look at, and uh, we got this from the National Park with Kendall Ozier when he was there in the National Park mm -hmm. uh, he was a well-known park biologist there that dealt with bears for years. It's whether the bear is day active or night active. A bear from typically, a wild bear is typically a nocturnal type animal. Uh, early in the evening till early in the morning, then usually they go and uh, bed down during the heat of the day or during the daylight hours. So when we have one that is day active and entering cars, entering, trying to enter homes, that type thing. Those are the ones that we really have to look at hard to see if we're going to move, whether that they've done enough that warrants uh, euthanasia. Uh, so, and when, and when we do have to go the euthanasia route, we really have to document what this bear was doing. That we're just not doing it just because we want to. There has to be complete documentation of why that we did that for that particular animal. But, uh, no, a lot of our bear calls, we, uh, I think in Sevier County this spring, we've received 70 bear complaints already this spring, which is kind of high for this early in the year. And the majority of those you can take care of over the phone. You can, you know, talk to the people and, you know, get in my garbage. Well, we're going to have to do something about your garbage. Uh, some of them, we're getting a lot of livestock, such as chickens uh, being killed right now. I know five different locations across the state. Parents have got into people, all their chickens, uh, get into homes, get into cars. That's happening during the daylight hours. Those are ones we really have to look at hard as, as to whether, you know, what are we going to do with those animals? Uh, so, but most of the time, uh, a lot of it can be taken care of with a phone call and just teaching the person over the phone what they need to do or not do. So the majority of our costs can be handled that way. But with that, when the bear does become destructive and he ends up in that section of our bear matrix that says euthanasia or removal, then that's what we, that's what we have to do. I mean, because a lot of times they'll say, well, why can't the bear got in the house? How can you just can't move it somewhere? Well, I'm, I'm taking a problem from here and I'm just giving that problem to somebody else elsewhere. The bear's not going to change the behavior if they're already ingrained in that behavior. So why? take a problem here and give it to somebody else, especially if it's a destructive. There's so much knowledge that y'all just shared right there. Two things that stick out in my mind and I'll shut up, but 
personal responsibility for everybody in bear country to do what's right to keep from habituating them and education. You know, I heard that from both those guys right there that, you know, we have to get the word out somehow. Bearwise.org is doing a great job of that um, and, and all the other avenues that we're using there. But uh, but that's great stuff. I can't thank y'all enough for, for jumping in here and, uh, and, and trying to help us alleviate these bear issues in, in East Tennessee. Yeah, we appreciate you guys. I know, uh, like like Matt said, bearwise.org and even our website, tnwildlife.org, has a lot of information. I know Dan's worked real hard on that to try to beef it up and, and improve that. And there's a lot of knowledge right there that you could tap into and learn a lot. So I do appreciate you guys jumping on. And uh, I know it's a it's a weird time right now doing being quarantined and having to uh, do shows like this but i appreciate y'all being willing to jump in and, and talk about this and especially this time of year it's really needed so uh, good work y'all are doing great work out there and appreciate that too thank you see you guys later all right well that'll do it for tennessee wildcast and uh, we thank uh, thank y'all for tuning in and we'll see you next time thanks for tuning in stay connected with twra by visiting our website at tnwildlife.org and follow us on facebook Twitter, and Instagram. Hey, it's all about Tennessee wildlife. It's what we do. Tennessee Wildcast will be on the air again next week. We'll see you then.